if this is your first Sunday at Grace, welcome. Um, we are in the midst of a, of a road trip series, and uh, this is one of my favorite uh, road trip movies of all time, Dumb and Dumber. What I wanted us to look at this morning is uh, a really famous road trip, maybe the most famous road trip in the Bible. And so if you brought your Bible with you this morning, uh, I want you to turn to the book of Exodus, second book in the Bible, uh, Exodus chapter 13. And um, what's happening in Exodus chapter 13, I'll kind of bring you up to speed. It's about 1500 B.C. And in 1500 B.C., uh, the Jewish people, also known as the Israelites, are down in slavery in Egypt. And uh, they are being miserably oppressed and persecuted. And they have been in slavery for hundreds of years. And so what the Israelites do is they cry out to God. And God hears their cries, and he begins a plan of deliverance for them. And he, what he starts to do is send a series of plagues upon the Egyptian people and King Pharaoh. And um, King Pharaoh just is refusing to let the Israelites go, refusing, refusing, refusing. So God continues to send more and more plagues, increasing in intensity, until finally the plagues get so bad that Pharaoh says, fine, that's it. Just get out of here. And they literally just say, all you Israelites, you can go. And that's where we're going to start the story this morning in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 18. The beginning of this amazing road trip. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God didn't lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, and this is interesting, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. Now, if we go to the next slide, we've got a uh, we've got a map here, and um, basically what happens is if you can see those purple arrows, they start over there on the on the top left. Uh, basically, the Egyptians are released. I mean, the the Israelites are released, and the shortest way that they could. Um, that they could go is basically across that green line along the top, that horizontal line there. They could just go straight shot across. That's, that's the shortest way out. And, um, but basically God says, even though that's the shorter way, you can't go that way because you just won't be able to handle it. And so instead, they go down on this long, circuitous route down these purple arrows way down the south all the way to, toward Mount Sinai and then back up the other side. And um, so... Instead of being able to take the shortest, most efficient route, God sends them on the much longer road. And then uh, it says in verses 20 through 22, it says, After leaving Sakath, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now, I don't know if you've heard this passage before. You've heard this story about this pillar of cloud that, that you know, God would be out in front of the Israelites, so to speak. Um, but whenever I heard this story, I've heard this story a number of times, I always thought, man, I was always very envious of the Israelites in this moment because I'm like, what a cool sign from God. You know, if you ever doubted that God was with you, you know, like what an amazing thing. And I'm just one of those people, I get jealous. If you tell me you've had like some amazing vision or dream or like God revelation, I'm jealous. God doesn't, for whatever reason, like that's not how it works with me. And so I've always thought, man, how cool would this be? But you know, as I sat and kind of reflected on this story and imagined myself as one of those Israelites who'd been in slavery for all that time, I started to think, I'm not so sure that that cloud, that pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire would have actually been so cool. 
And the reason is, is because if I was in slavery, and I finally, like this crazy, hardened pharaoh, this king, finally let us go after all this ruthless oppression, I would be just high talented. There would be like a group of sprinters, man. Like I would have been, we would have been way out in front. I would have been wanting to follow this pillar of cloud and fire that's like kind of weaving around. And then if you notice in the story, it says that they had the camp at Etham on the edge of the desert. So I'm guessing that that pillar of cloud just kind of like it came to a stop. And it's like, I guess this is where God wants us to camp. I'd be like, we're, we're just getting started. Like we got to go. What if Pharaoh changes his mind? Which is actually, if you read the story, Pharaoh does change his mind. So, you know, we just got to get the heck out of here as fast as we possibly can. And so, um, you know, there's one thing that I know of. You know, I was kind of thinking about this, and I thought, there's, there was definitely a group of people among those Israelites that would not have been cool with that, that, this plan. And that, the, the Washington, D.C. contingent, okay, that were, in, that were in this, doing this Exodus thing, they would not have been down with this. This is, this is not efficient. Okay, the, the shorter way is much better. We're not stopping. We're just going to push through. We'll do. We'll go maybe 48 hours straight to give us a little room between us and Pharaoh and the Egyptians. I mean, Washington D.C. contingent not digging this. This is way not a good plan. This is way too slow. And this is how it is in D.C. I remember my first time ever coming to this city. It was about 12 years ago. Um, I was, uh, I think I was a senior in college and was on a road trip. We're doing, we're talking about road trips uh, right now, this series. I was on a road trip to uh, DC from Cincinnati with some buddies. We were just coming out here to watch the fireworks for the July 4th and just have a good time. And I remember, you guys, I will never forget the moment that I pulled onto the Beltway coming into the DC area. It was just, um, some of you guys can remember this moment yourselves when you did this. But let me just say, in Cincinnati, um, Traffic, it's kind of a radical idea, notion, but traffic tends to move about where the speed limit is. So, you know, if the speed limit's 55, traffic's going, you know, 55, 60, 65 if you're in the fast lane, you know. We get to, we get to the beltway here, and traffic is cooking, like, near 80 miles an hour. I mean, it's like seven, between 75 and 80, like, in all lanes. Just everyone's just, you know, if you're not doing 75, like, you're getting, you're about to get run over, you know. And, um, man, it was just, it was so intense. And what's funny, is that for, for many of us, so many of us are not actually from here. You know, we didn't grow up here. We remember the first time, man, it is kind of a wild, it's kind of a wild place in terms of how fast and how hurried and how frenzied the pace is here. But, you know, it's not actually for me until I go back to Ohio. Every year I go back to Ohio for a little reunion with some college buddies. We do like a fantasy football league and stuff. And when I'll go back, you know, I realize just how crazy that we are in DC. So when I go back, you know, this is, a, this is the thing. Um, and I'll be driving down the road, um, and say we got two lanes going in our direction, you know, and so, you know, you're in the right lane. This is what happens in Ohio. It's just kind of wild. But there's a, there's a car in the right lane, and you're in the right lane too, and that car is going to make a right turn, and so the car slows down. And then what, you know what the car behind it does? It slows down. It's crazy. Slows down, waits for the car to make the turn, and then it speeds back up again and continues on. It's, it's wild. That's, you know, that, that, that's not how it works. I mean, you, you're like, you're a fool if you do that in D.C. You are a total fool. Because in D.C., it's kind of like Indy 500. You know, using the brakes, you only use the brakes at red lights. You know, I mean, it's just weaving around buses, around cars making laps. I mean, you're just, you know, you're just constantly doing this zipping. I don't even know why they have the little middle line. Because that's, that's irrelevant in, in, in our city, in, in all seriousness. And I don't even realize that I'm doing that until I go back home and I'm like laying on the horn. And people in Columbus, I'm like, what? come on, let's go. Um, 
And you know what? Here's the funny thing. I don't know if you guys do this, but um, like you're you're in D.C. and you're you're coming up to a, a red light, like an intersection. And it's red. You can see it up ahead. It's red, and there's like a car in each lane in front of you. And so you're kind of sizing up the cars. You're looking at them, and you're like, which one of these is going to get off the line faster? And you turn into that lane, and then when the light turns green. You're, you're hoping that that was the faster car, and if it is, you like zoom just behind that car, and then you whip around the other car so like you're in first. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just this is normal behavior for us. This is totally okay. This is no, this is this is nothing wrong with this. Um, how about in the grocery store? So you get your groceries, and then uh, you're coming, and there's like two lines, right? There's two checkout lines open, and they're both about the same length. What do you start doing? You start sizing up the lines, and you try and get a peek at the cashier. Like, which one of these cashiers looks faster? Okay, who's going to ring it up quicker? Okay, and then you make your choice. You know, you figure it all out, you make your choice, but that's, that's, that's not where we stop. That's not where we stop. You then, the, the next person who gets in line at the next place, like, you're like, okay, that's where I would have been. And so now you've got like a marker for you. Okay, and the two of you go through the line and you're, and you're watching. You're constantly watching as you're going through. And if that person starts to win, you're like, ah, you know, I mean, it just, you know, and if you come out victorious, if you come out better than you would have in the other line, you're so elated. You walk out of that grocery store, it's like you've stolen time. You know what I'm saying? You're so excited. The victory, you know, the thrill. I mean, this is, this is us. This is Washington, D.C. And let me tell you something. This is not normal. We think it's normal. It's not normal. This is not normal behavior. This is not what they do in other cities. Okay? And in all seriousness... We, we literally have a hurry epidemic in this city. I'm, I'm not like, I'm, I'm trying to shift here to, like, it's all fun and we're laughing and everything, but really, hurry is a major problem. It's a major problem. You see, hurry, I really believe this for me, hurry is one of the greatest barriers to us being like Jesus Christ, which is ultimately what we're supposed to be trying to do for followers of Jesus. If you think about Jesus, okay, now maybe you haven't read a lot about him or whatever, there's not like a specific Bible verse that says, Jesus was never in a hurry, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't kind of lay it out like that, but if you just read it, if you just read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you see is that Jesus never seemed to be hurried, you know, he was, he was in the midst of crazy ministry and all sorts of miracles, he would, he would go away to the, the mountains and he would pray and he would take time away, he would take time away with his disciples, but what you also see is that he was never too busy when someone came up and had an issue or a problem or whatever, what would he do? He would stop. Did he blow by them? Hey, sorry, dude, I'm just way too busy right now. Just, you know, oh, oh God, you got to go this way because I know there's a bunch of needy people on that side of the street. You know, like, that was never Jesus, okay? Jesus was never in a hurry. Hurry is one of the greatest obstacles to us living out the life that God wants us to live out. And, um, you know, the, the, I think one of the reasons is, is because hurry kind of sends us this little subtle message that we just don't have time. You know, so whenever something comes across in our path, it's almost like we're running a sprint to a finish line. And if there's like, you know, a little old lady crossing the street or there's someone that's, you know, like kind of lost in D.C. trying to find, you know, where's their metro stop or something. Like, we're just like, get out of the way because I am just coming through. man. I do not have a split second to lose. And so um, hurry just tells us we don't have time. We don't have time. We cannot be available because we're, we're too hurried. And we're too, at least for me, 
uh, hurry also just stresses me out. I, I'm just more stressed. I'm not as nice of a person. And I tend to take it out on people around me. And again, I'm not talking about like the big blow up where you're like, you're, you know, you've got an hour before your flight leaves and it's like 75 minutes to get to the airport. You know what I'm saying? It's, I'm not talking about like the crazy extreme. I'm just talking in general. We just kind of have this, this clock that's been wound inside of us that's been wound too fast when we've been living in, in this city. And we just need to be aware of it. And so what I've been doing this week is really, as I've been reflecting on this message and where I felt like God was leading with the message, was just, I was like, well, i gotta, I got to slow down. i I got to slow down because I am so, like, type A, you know, efficiency. I am, I'm a crazy, I'm a, all about efficiency, okay? Those stories, the red lights and the grocery, that's totally me. <laughs> that is totally me. So I just started to kind of do this this week. I just started to say, you know what? Uh, if I've got to be somewhere at 8, I'm, I'm going to leave to get there at 7.45. You know, I'm just going to slow it down. I'm just going to breathe. And I'm going to keep telling that voice in my head that's saying, hurry, 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 hurry. I even do that with my kids in the bathtub. Like, I'm like, come on, let's go. Like, we've been in the bath for five minutes. Like, come on, let's get, it's like, what? You know, they're like, what? Like, just, to, just like this week, I'm just trying to like simmer down, you know, and, and just to not be in such a hurry because you know what? Hurry and love are incompatible. Hurry and love are incompatible. They don't go together. They don't mix. It's very hard to be fully present and to be fully available when you're in a rush. We know this. This is a very practical thing that we can do. We can just tell ourselves, you don't have to be in such a rush. You know, here's a radical idea. You may want to try this. You know, get up a little earlier. Just just get places a little earlier. Give yourself a little chance so that an interruption, you might actually see it as, well, maybe this is God giving me an opportunity to bless somebody, to, to be a light in this world. You know, maybe this is crazy, but maybe you even want to, like, let someone who's trying to turn into traffic, like, let them in in front of you. Maybe two cars. I mean, let's get really wild, you know? I mean, just, just with the little things that you could do, you'd be amazed. Just, it just, if you could just breathe and look around you at the opportunities to be a blessing in this world. And ultimately, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's what we're called to be. We're called to be his hands and his feet. And a lot of times that just happens in the day-to-day stuff that's going on as we're going from place to place and interacting with people. So I want to encourage you to try and slow it down this week. Try it. See if you actually might feel more healthy and more healthy spiritually. All right. Well, um, I was having a conversation with someone from Grace, and we got on this topic of hurry and impatience and, uh, and learning patience. And, uh, and so I uh, was so into her story that I asked her if she'd be willing to come up here and, and share it. So if you guys could welcome uh, Mignonette Padmore to uh, the front here, that'd be great. So Mignonette, tell us how long have you been uh, coming to Grace? For about six months. Okay. And uh, we talked this week, and this was this theme of hurry and impatience is just like, that's something that that really was resonating with you. And the more that we talked, I realized, man, we got to get you up here and tell them a little bit of your story because you can definitely relate to those Israelites who are on that longer road and maybe frustrated that, you know, things aren't moving quite as quickly as they could be moving. Tell us a little bit about, for you, um, what's the longer road that, that you're on right now? Tell us what's going on. Well, right now, like so many others, I'm searching for employment. So it's been a long road. Mm. And so, um, so you, you you fill us in a little bit. So you you finished school, right? Yep, and I for nursing. School. For nursing, I passed my boards. 
Awesome. There you go. There you go. Um, Thank so, you. So you, you passed your boards, and then how long have you been How long have you been on the search now? Um, for five months. Okay. So it's kind of getting to that place where it's frustrating, discouraging, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so um, one of the things that you said was really helpful for you was um, looking back on a previous road that you were on that was also a very long road that's helped to give you a lot of perspective. Tell us about the past longer road that you were on. Okay, so I'm the type of person that likes to plan a lot, so everything has to be set and planned. When we, call, I, we call those people control freaks yeah. in my house. So, I, <laughs> so I, I am kind of a control freak, and when I was in high school, I knew what college I wanted to go to, what organizations I wanted to join. I was going to finish nursing school in four years. And so when I got to nursing school in Virginia, um, I absolutely loved it, but everything was in a hurry. Everything was rushed. I was focused on finishing in four years, and something family-related happened, and I had to return back home to Atlanta when I had one semester left. Mm. So I had to transfer schools, and it took me like an extra two and a half years to finish my degree. Well, because your tr- credits didn't transfer? Credits didn't transfer. Oh. I had to retake classes. It was tough. And it was definitely the longer road. Mm, mm. So um, you had mentioned that that experience has actually been helpful for you now on this long road that you're on. Tell us why. What did you learn from that? What did you see happen? I learned from that that four years, finishing school in four years, the way that I wanted to finish it was what I thought would be what I thought was best for me. And I feel as though the way things are happening now, that's what. God knows that was best for me. And through the longer journey, I was able to, different things in my life were impacted in a more important way than it would have been before. I moved back home. I was able to impact my brother's life because he's younger. I'm an older sister. So that's something that I don't think would, it wouldn't have happened if I would have stayed in Virginia. Also, I passed my boards on the first try of the school that I transferred to, their board passing rate was higher. I feel like in the long run, it was definitely the better route. Good deal. So then as a result of that, you know, as you're going on this journey, although it's frustrating and very difficult, tell us the perspective then that you're bringing now. Like what's the the mindset that you have as you're kind of in the fifth month of a long search? The mindset is to kind of be at peace because I know that, God has my back no matter what. I think it's kind of like having a friend and you're in the car with them. You trust that they're drive, they have driving capabilities, so you're able to fall asleep in the car. And you're fine, so you're at peace. And I feel that's the same mindset that I have now. So, so um, do you feel more at peace this time around? Yeah, I do. There's stressful times, but I do, for the most part, I feel at peace. And, and so tell us what you do in, in the stressful times. In the stressful times, I like to I read my Bible, I regroup, I pray. So. And is there a particular passage that um, that you find yourself drawn to? You know, when you're stressed out, or you're trying to kind of remember that God has your back and all that stuff. Is there one that you like? There's one particular passage, Matthew six thirty three and thirty four. Mm-hmm. So that's one that I read. It's about worry and how it's not good to worry and. It doesn't do you any good, right? Yeah. I think it says who can, by worrying, can add a single hour yeah. to his life or something like that. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, you said something, and then we'll let you sit back down, get you off the hot seat up here. But um, 
you said that um, you, you pray, your prayers have changed. There's been a fundamental shift in the way that you pray. Tell us about that, because I think that's really, really good stuff. Um, I think now the way that I pray, I pray that things happen based on what God wants for me instead of what I want for myself. So I think before, I would pray for things that I thought was good for me, but I've learned that what I think is good for me isn't always the best thing for me. Mm. So you just say, God, you know, whatever you think is best, and just having that trust and faith that he's got a purpose and a plan. That's, that's good stuff. Thank you so much for coming up here and sharing. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Well, maybe uh, you guys are here this morning, and uh, you can really relate to Mignonette's story because, you know, you also find yourself on a much longer road than you would have otherwise anticipated or desired. Uh, maybe um, for you, it's, it's kind of like Mignonette. Maybe it's a job that you're waiting for some opportunity. You're waiting for some promotion. You're waiting, you, you know, maybe you're just waiting to get hired or whatever it is. Or maybe it's a relationship that for you isn't, isn't there or isn't progressing or isn't going the way that you had planned, and you find that this longer road is just very frustrating. Or maybe it's a struggle. It's something in your life that you're struggling to overcome, struggling to deal with, and it is just such a long road. If you're here this morning and uh, you feel like you're on that longer road, I want to share with you um, the next few verses in this story because to me it's tremendously encouraging. Um, And it it goes like this. We're in Exodus 14, verses 1 through 4. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back. Okay, you're reading this correctly. Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Haharoth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. Now, I want to stop there for a second and say, so basically what God is doing at this moment in the story is he's, he's making that long road even longer. He's having the Israelites double back. Okay, So if you think that maybe there was a chance they were frustrated before that D.C. contingent was like, what in the world are we doing? We're not going fast enough. Now he's got them totally backtracking. Okay, So this longer road is even longer. But look what it says. This, this is really um, the, the, the crux of this story and, and how it really speaks to us. It says, verse 4, and then this is still God talking. He says, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. He will pursue the Israelites. Then God says, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. What this is referencing, if you're not familiar with this story, what this is referencing is that God's having the Israelites double back, then the Egyptians are going to come out and pursue them, okay, and go to attack them, and the Israelites then are pinned up against the Red Sea, and that's where God parts the waters of the Red Sea, the Israelites go through to safety, and the Egyptians go through and they get swallowed up by the water. And it is this incredible moment in Jewish history. I mean, it is the central moment. And so basically, what God is doing here is he has them on this longer road for a great reason that they can't possibly understand. And many of you guys are here this morning and you're on that longer road and you can't possibly understand. But the reality is that God had something much bigger than what the Israelites could even anticipate. 
Okay, The Israelites were perfectly content. They've been bitterly oppressed. They've been in slavery for hundreds of years. Pharaoh's finally let them go, you guys. And they're just content. Let's just get the heck out of here. Let's just go as fast as we can. We'll be off. We'll find a new place to settle down. We'll go to this promised land. It's going to be great. We're out of here. Thank God we're, we're, we're done with this situation. Okay, God's like, no, no, no. So you think that's cool? I'm going to rock your world. I got something so much better for you guys. And so what God does, he puts them on an even longer road, and he gives them this tremendous, miraculous experience of this parting of the Red Sea that would become the central defining point in Jewish history. That, that if you read through the Old Testament scriptures, you'll see over and over and over again that this event is referenced. This becomes the core identity of this people. This becomes the place where they can stake back to and say, you know, we know that our God is awesome and mighty to save because he delivered us with a mighty hand. He did such amazing things for us during this time. And so God gives them this tremendous gift that would bolster their faith and hold them together during difficult times. That was all stuff that came because they were on that longer road. When they couldn't understand the reason for it, God had an even bigger and better reason than they could possibly imagine. And so if you're here this morning and you find yourself on that longer road, what I want to encourage you is that, just like it says in Romans 8.28, not that God has caused all things, or not even necessarily that God has caused you to be on that longer road, but ultimately that God is working in all things. That ultimately, God is going to work out that situation for your good and for his glory. So I know it's hard, but you gotta, you got to have, you muster up some extra faith and just trust that somehow, some way, God's got something amazing in store and that as you come on the other side of that road, um, eventually you'll come to understand what that is. Let's pray. God, um, in this great city of Washington, D.C., um, we are really busy, and um, life moves very quickly. And for many of us, uh, hurry has just become a way of life. We don't even realize that we're revved up extra fast. And, um, Lord, many of us need help. Um, we need help just to slow it down. Because, God, so many of us are so consumed with getting to the next place or just the efficiency of checking off the next thing off of our list that we're not able to just be fully present in the moment of this day and just enjoy our life to enjoy the breath that you've given us in our lungs and to be available if you might want to interrupt our day to have us be a blessing to love someone to serve someone to do something god we have gotten so consumed with our own schedule and our own agenda but sometimes, God, we don't have any time for anything else other than what we've already planned. Help us, God, to slow down. Help us, God, to just be aware of the world around us and that you have called us to be a blessing. God, I want to lift up those people this morning who are on a longer road than they would have possibly chosen for themselves. They feel like they're circling back towards those Egyptians. They have no idea where you are or why this is happening, anything, God. And they're frustrated. And I pray, Lord, that you would just remind them that you're working in all things, that you have a purpose, that you have a plan, and it's ultimately for our good and for your glory. Help us 
to just stick with it and to persevere and to endure and to keep the faith. And God, finally, we want to thank you for the central message of this story, which is ultimately that you are an awesome God who has the power to deliver and to save us and that you have already achieved the victory. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and achieved victory over death. We thank you for his suffering and we thank you for the power of the resurrection. That ultimately, God, in the trials and tribulations of this life, God, that we have ultimate victory in you. Thank you, God. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Have a great week.